Section 44, Volume 2 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night. Translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 2, Section 44. When it was the one hundred and thirteenth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the youth continued to Taj al-Muluk. So I raised my head to see whence this kerchief had fallen, when my eyes met those of the lady who owned these gazelles. And lo, she was looking out of a wicket in a lattice of brass, and never saw my eyes a fairer than she, and in fine my tongue faileth to describe her beauty. When she caught sight of me looking at her, she put her forefinger into her mouth, then joined her middle finger and her witness finger, and laid them on her bosom, between her breasts, after which she drew in her head, and closed the wicked shutter, and went her ways. Thereupon fire broke out in, and was heaped upon my heart, and greater grew my smart. The one sight cost me a thousand sighs, and I abode perplexed for that I heard no word by her spoken, nor understood the meaning of her token. I looked at the window a second time, but found it shut, and waited patiently till sundown, but sensed no sound, and saw no one in view. So when I despaired of seeing her again, I rose from my place, and taking up the handkerchief, opened it, when there breathed from it a scent of musk, which caused me so great delight, I became as one in paradise. Then I spread it before me, and out dropped from it a delicate little scroll, whereupon I opened the paper, which was perfumed with a delicious perfume and therein were writ these couplets. I sent to him a scroll that bore my plaint of love, writ in fine delicate hand, for writing proves man's skill. Then quoth to me my friend, Why is thy writing thus, so fine, so thin-drawn, tis to read unsuitable? Quoth I, For that I'm fine-drawn, wasted, waxed thin. Thus lovers writ should be, for so love wills his will. And after casting my eyes on the beauty of the kerchief, I saw upon one of its two borders the following couplets worked in with a needle. His cheek down writeth, O fair for the goodly scribe, two lines on table of his face in Raihan hand. O the wild marvel of the moon, when comes he forth, and when he bends, O oh shame, to every willow-wand. And on the opposite border these two couplets were traced. His cheek down writeth on his cheek, with ambergris on pearl, two lines like jet on apple-line, the goodliest design. Slaughter is in those languid eyne whenever a glance they deal, and drunkenness in either cheek and not in any wine. When I read the poetry on the handkerchief, the flames of love darted into my heart, 
and yearning and pining redoubled their smart. So I took the kerchief and the scroll and went home, knowing no means to win my wish, for that I was incapable of conducting love affairs and inexperienced in interpreting hints and tokens. Nor did I reach my home ere the night was far spent, and I found the daughter of my uncle sitting in tears. But as soon as she saw me, she wiped away the drops and came up to me and took off my walking dress and asked me to reason of my absence, saying, All the folk, emirs and notables and merchants and others assembled in our house, and the kasi and the witnesses were also present at the appointed time. They ate and tarried a while, sitting to await thine appearance for the writing of the contract. And when they despaired of thy presence, they dispersed and went their ways. And indeed, she added, thy father raged with exceeding wrath by reason of this, and swore that he would not celebrate our marriage save during the coming year, for that he hath spent on these festivities great store of money. And she ended by asking, what hath befallen thee this day to make thee delay till now and why hast thou allowed that to happen which happened because of thine absence answered i o daughter of mine uncle question me not concerning what hath befallen me then i told her all that had passed from beginning to end and showed her the handkerchief she took the scroll and read what was written therein and tears ran down her cheeks, and she repeated these cinquains. Who saith that love at first of free will came? Say him, thou liest, love be grief and grame. Yet shall such grame and grief entail no shame. All annals teach us one thing and the same. Good current coin clips coin, we may not creep. And please thou say there's pleasure in thy pain. Find fortune's playful gambols glad and fain, Or happy blessings in the unhappy Spain, That joy or grieve with equal might and main. Twixt phrase and antiphrase I'm all a heap, But he with all whose days are summer bright. Whom maids e'er great with smiling lips delight, Whom spicy breezes fan in every sight, And wins whatever he wills that happy white, White-blooded coward heart should never keep. Then she asked me, What said she, and what signs made she to thee? I answered, She uttered not a word, But put her forefinger in her mouth, then joining it to her middle finger, laid both fingers on her bosom, and pointed to the ground. Thereupon she withdrew her head, and shut the wicket, and after that I saw her no more. However, she took my heart with her, so I sat till sundown, expecting her again to look out of the window, but she did not, and, when I despaired of her, I rose from my seat and came home. This is my history, and I beg thee to help me in this my sore calamity. Upon this she raised her face to me and said, 
O son of mine uncle, if thou soughtest my eye, I would tear it for thee from its eyelids, and perforce I cannot but aid thee to thy desire, and aid her also to her desire, for she is whelmed in passion for thee, even as thou for her. Asked I, And what is the interpretation of her signs? And Aziza answered, as for the putting her finger in her mouth, it showed that thou art to her as her soul to her body, and that she would bite into union with thee with her wisdom teeth. As for the kerchief, it betokeneth that her breath of life is bound up in thee. As for the placing her two fingers on her bosom between her breasts, its explanation is that she saith, The sight of thee may dispel my grief, for know, O my cousin, that she loveth thee, and she trusteth in thee. This is my interpretation of her signs, and could I come and go at will, I would bring thee and her together in shortest time, and curtain you both with my skirt. Hearing these words, I thanked her, continued the young merchant, for speaking thus, and said to myself, I will wait two days. So I abode two days in the house, neither going out nor coming in, neither eating nor drinking, but I laid my head on my cousin's lap, whilst she comforted me and said to me, Be resolute and of good heart and hope for the best. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the one hundred and fourteenth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the youth pursued to Taj al-Mualuk. And when the two days were past, she said to me, Be of good cheer, and clear thine eyes of tears, and take courage to dress thyself, and go to her, according to thy tryst. Then she rose and changed my clothes, and perfumed me with incense smoke. So I braced myself up, and heartened my heart, and went out, and walked on till I came to the by-street, where I sat down on the bench a while. And behold, the wicked suddenly opened, and I looked up, and seeing her, fell down in a swoon. When I revived, I called up resolution, and took courage, and gazed again at her, and again became insensible to the world around me. Then I came to myself, and looking at her, saw that she held in hand a mirror and a red kerchief. Now, when she caught my glance, she bared her forearms and opened her five fingers, and smote her breast with palm and digits. And after this she raised her hands, and holding the mirror outside the wicket, she took the red kerchief and retired into the room with it, but presently returned and putting out her hand with the kerchief, let it down towards the lane three several times, dipping it and raising it as often. Then she wrung it out and folded it in her hands, bending down her head the while, after which she drew it in from the lattice, and shutting the wicked shutter, went away without a single word. Nay, she left me confounded, and knowing not what signified her signs. I tarried sitting there till supper-time, and did not return home till near midnight, 
and there I found the daughter of my uncle with her cheek props in her hand, and her eyelids pouring forth tears, and she was repeating these couplets. Woe's me! Why should the blamer gar thee blaming bow? How be consoled for thee that art so tender bow? Bright being, on my vitals cost thou pray and drive, my heart before platonic passion forced to bow. Thy Turk-like glances havoc deal in core of me, as furbished sword thin ground at curve could never show. Thou weighs me down with weight of care, while I have not strength even to bear my shift, so weakness lays me low. Indeed I weep blood-tears to hear the blamer say, The lashes of thy lover's eyne shall pierce thee through. Thou hast, my prince of loveliness, an overseer, Who wrongs me, and a groom, who beats me down with brow. He foully lies, who says all loveliness belonged, To Joseph in thy loveliness is many a joe. I force myself to turn from thee in deadly fright of spies, and what the force that turns away my sight. When I heard her verse, cark increased and care redoubled on me, and I fell down in a corner of her house, whereupon she arose in haste, and, coming to me, lifted me up, and took off my outer clothes, and wiped my face with her sleeve. Then she asked me what had befallen me, and I described all that had happened from her. Quoth she, O oh, my cousin, as for her sign to thee, with her palm and five fingers, its interpretation is, Return after five days, and the putting forth of her head out of the window, and her gestures with the mirror, and the letting down, and raising up, and wringing out of the red kerchief, signify sit in the dyer's shop till my messenger come to thee when i heard her words fire flamed up in my heart and i exclaimed o daughter of my uncle thou sayst sooth in this thine interpretation for i saw in the street the shop of a jew dyer then i wept and she said be of good cheer and strong heart of a truth others are occupied with love for years and endure with constancy the ardour of passion whilst thou hast but a week to wait why then this impatience thereupon she went on cheering me with comfortable talk and brought me food so i took a mouthful and tried to eat but could not and i abstained from meat and drink and estranged myself from the solace of sleep, till my colours waxed yellow, and I lost my good looks, for I had never been in love before, nor had I ever savoured the ardour of passion save this time. So I fell sick, and my cousin also sickened on my account, but she would relate to me, by way of consolation, stories of love and lovers every night, till I fell asleep. And whenever I awoke, I found her wakeful for my sake, with tears running down her cheeks. This ceased not till the five days were past, when my cousin rose, 
and warmed some water and bathed me with it. Then she dressed me in my best and said to me, Repair to her, and Allah fulfill thy wish, and bring thee to thy desire of thy beloved. So I went out, and ceased not walking on till I came to the upper end of the by-street. And it was the Sabbath I found the dyer's shop locked, and sat before it, till I heard the call of the mid-afternoon prayer. Then the sun yellowed, and the Musines chanted the call to sundown prayer and the night came. But I saw no sign, nor heard one word, nor knew any news of her. So I feared for my life sitting there alone, and at last I arose and walked home, reeling like a drunken man. When I reached the house I found my cousin Aziza standing with one hand grasping a peg driven into the wall, and the other on her breast and she was sighing and groaning and repeating these couplets. The longing of an Arab less forlorn, of kith and kin, who to hideous in willow wand and myrtle cloth incline, and who, when meeting caravan, shall with lovelo set light, to bivac fire and bang for conquer tears of pain and pine, exceeds not mine for him, nor more devotion shows but he seeing my heart is folly he spurns love as sin in dine now when she had finished her verse she turned to me and seeing me wiped away her tears and my tears with her sleeve then she smiled in my face and said o oh, my cousin allah grant thee enjoyment of that which he hath given thee why didst thou not pass the night by the side of thy beloved and why hast thou not fulfilled thy desire of her? When I heard her words, I gave her a kick in the breast, and she fell down in the saloon, and her brow struck upon the edge of the raised pavement, and hit against a wooden peg therein. I looked at her, and saw that her forehead was cut open, and the blood running. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section 44 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 2 Read by Lars Rolander